Geekville Radio. I don't have to win. We both just have to lose. Hello once again, all you geeks and geekettes. This is Seth, a.k.a. Xandrax, the mayor of Geekville and the host of Geekville Radio. Coming at you with a, another episode of Geekville Radio. Today, we are looking at the Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania trailer. This is the kickoff of Marvel's Phase 5, and it's the first theatrical film of the Year of Our Lord 2023 for Marvel. And we're going to break it down. I know it's kind of hard to do some of this in audio only, but if you go to the show notes at geekvilleradio.com slash 318, you'll see the screenshots posted there to kind of help uh, guide the way in what we're pointing out here. So if you obviously you want to have at least seen the trailer before you listen to this, if you haven't, go and watch it. Of course, we'll have the links at the show notes as well if you haven't seen the trailer yet. But we will go through this, try to see what we can and cannot decipher for what the future holds because it's just fun to do this. So we may be right, we may be wrong, but I think we do have a pretty good batting average when it comes to looking at a lot of this stuff and what Marvel may tease with their trailers. So the world is buzzing over the final trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Kang appeared in his classic comic-accurate form. We got a surprise appearance from MODOK, and we got to see a whole lot of variants. So let's break this down. We do see at the beginning of the, the trailer with Kang's voiceover, basically telling Scott that he's an important person, that he's an Avenger, blah, blah, blah. And we see Scott walking down the street. He's smiling at people. Maybe he's being recognized. Got a little bit of fame being an Avenger. Seems to be living a good life. He's wearing a suit. He's on the red carpet with hope. Things seem to be going well. What could possibly go wrong? Well, if nothing could possibly go wrong, we wouldn't be having a movie now, would we? We do see in his smartphone that his picture of Cassie is still her as a young child, hinting that he feels guilty or feels bad about missing five years of his child's life, basically his own life and his child's life. And really, who's been a parent that hasn't felt like that? And it seems like just yesterday the kids were crawling, barely able to walk and barely able to talk, and now all of a sudden they're going to school. And on top of that, I mean, when you look at the real-life time frame, it's hard to imagine now, but Endgame was now almost four years ago. So if we are adding on time on top of that, we're looking at approximately nine years now since he disappeared, assuming these movies have been going more or less in, in real time. I mean, we, we did get a COVID delay between big blockbuster releases, but if anything, that helped with the timeline rather than, than hurt it because if Endgame would have taken place in 2023, this, this, the, the year we're in right now, when you think about it, Avengers Endgame took place five years after Infinity War. Infinity War was released in 2018, so that means Endgame took place in 2023. So anyway, we do see Cassie getting let out of jail, clearly got arrested, like father like daughter you might say we also see a uh, quantum realm travel doohickey that we saw in one of the previous films and that's where we see scott and the rest of the van dynes getting sucked into the quantum realm 
presumably accidentally. We do see Kang approaching Scott with his proposal about being the one man who can give him time. And one of the things I liked about this is you do see the differences in Kang's demeanor. Because when he is telling this to Scott, when he's saying, I'm the one man who can give you what you need, time, he looks very sincere, almost kind of pleading with him, looking very innocent, you might say. But you also see a few seconds earlier, a very comic accurate depiction of him with the blue face shield and not really looking very kind or vulnerable there. And Kang does mention they both lost a lot of time. This is in sync with everybody getting caught up in the quantum realm. I think that's just kind of a summary of the introduction to the movie. Now, what does Kang mean about losing a lot of time? And I guess we do have to kind of stop and look at who Kang is. For anybody that isn't familiar with the comics, Kang is one of those cosmic-level villains and has mastered time travel. And he has been all over points in history. He's ruled various planets and various points in history. There's so many of them out there that he even had his own council of his own selves, where there's so many versions of this guy out there that he's basically kind of become his own army. And that's only in one timeline. So if we're bringing a multiverse into this, there's so many Kangs, it, it, it could be, like I said, his own army. The Loki series introduced us to the Time Variance Authority, which exists outside of time. They, they established that. It's kind of outside of space and time. And you may recall there was a statue of Kang in the background. So it's a pretty safe bet that the TVA knows about the Quantum Realms, since that seems to kind of be the nexus of the multiverse. And in the Loki series, we also met He Who Remains, who seemed to be really the only sensible variant of Kang being played by the same actor, Jonathan Majors. And He Who Remains actually fixed the multiverse to keep all these other universes from crossing over because he knew that if the multiverse broke away and splintered off, his evil variants, a.k.a. the classic Kangs, would again start fighting to take control of all the multiverse. So it looks like this meeting, back to the trailer, it looks like the meeting between Kang and Scott does happen in the quantum realm, at a time when he is separate from everybody else. Maybe Cassie might be around because we do see a brief glimpse of Scott walking with Cassie and Kang. That's where you see Modoc in the background. And it looks like where Kang is making his pitch for the deal. And this is interspersed with a voiceover of Janet telling him about all the powers that Kang has about being able to warp reality and change this and change that. And I think we do get a glimpse of Janet from the past when she was trapped in the quantum realm. Because if she's trapped, we know she was trapped in the quantum realm. Chances are, in that time, she saw who Kang was. So it's a pretty safe bet. She's familiar with Kang, knows what he's capable of. She knows about Chronopolis, which is that big watch-looking city sprawling out where everything's round, everything's circular, and everything looks like a ticking clock. So we've got all the classic setups of a deal gone wrong. You know, the hero trying to do the right thing. Somebody warns him, no, don't trust this person. The hero wants to do the right thing, and then Pandora's box gets opened and bad stuff happens. We also do see a clip of Scott splitting into two versions of himself a la like a, another multiverse being born or how 
The theory of every decision you make, whether you have a burrito or a hamburger for lunch, somehow triggers another alternate reality, and thus multiple versions may exist at, in different universes. But we do see Scott splitting into two, and almost kind of in real time. Now, while we're hearing Janet talk about how Kang can't be trusted, we do see a glimpse of a flashback scene, Scott hugging a young Cassidy, and that is then mirrored with him hugging the present-day Cassie. We see Ant-Man diving into something in the quantum realm that looks like giant shag carpeting or maybe the giant underwater worms from that original G.I. Joe miniseries from 1983 or whenever it was. I'm probably the only person in the history of the planet that came up with that analogy as to what those worm or snake creatures look like, apparently still in the quantum realm. Now, one of the most interesting things that we see here about halfway through is we see what looks like thousands if not millions of Scott Lang variants. They're creating like their own pillar to try to get up into this giant spherical symbol it's spinning around and it's covered in symbols inscribed like something out of the Eternals, like it's some sort of ancient hieroglyphics or ancient writing. And it looks like he's sighting up, like he's going to zap it with the pin particles. That's probably a uh, MacGuffin. Now, that, that's probably one of the major plot points. That may be the thing that Kang is trying to get Scott to acquire for him, probably because it would be his key to getting back into the real world. Because it's also safe to assume the heroes don't have any easy way back into the real world out of the quantum realm, because if they did, they just would have used that. And it's also likely that Kang knows that the Van Dynes and Scott have traveled to the quantum realm and back into the real world. So what better people to use as your pawns to get out of the quantum realm than people who have already been there and back? So that's part of the, I think, the manipulation that Kang is using here. He's using Scott to find a way to get back into the real world where he, might as well call him OG Kang. Yeah, we're assuming that this is the original Kang that's stuck in the quantum realm here before any variants could spin off. That OG Kang is using Scott to get back into the real world where he can become Kang the Conqueror once again. So that's, I think, the big plot point here, is Scott being used by Kang for the purposes of getting into the real world, especially since we see a little bit later in the trailer, we hear Kang becoming much more threatening, saying, you're going to give me what I want, or else everything you know is going to die. We see Cassie standing in front of a portal like she's waiting for her father to come through in a tense moment, so it seems like he might not make it through. We see Scott and Hope in an emotional moment where they're putting their heads together like this could be the last time they see each other. So we're probably going to see a moment where Scott realizes he's going to have to do this, even if it means not coming back, because he has that big line in it about, I don't have to win, we just have to both lose. And we also see the cool uh, aircraft that Kang seems to be creating and mobilizing in his army. We do see them attacking the Ant-Man family. They're running around in explosions, avoiding explosions and such. We also see a variant of Scott, pres I, presumably it's a variant, as Giant Man, and he's disintegrating in a similar way that Scarlet Witch killed Reed Richards in the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And we also see Kang blasting Scott through a portal similar to the one Cassie was looking through. So it's possible that moment where Cassie's trying to wait for her father to come, Kang shows up, blasts him away, and that's when we get our 
big mano mano tussle between Kang and Scott, where we see Kang kind of show off his guns a little bit as he's punching Scott around. But we also do see a bit where Wasp is coming to Ant-Man's rescue. So there may be a moment where Scott may be left for dead, climax of the movie, looks like everybody's going to be safe except for Scott, and maybe Wasp is able to go back and rescue him. We also see Kang stomping on Ant-Man's helmet and crushing it. And I looked at that visual and I couldn't help but think that someday Scott's grandson is going to look at that helmet and then realize he will vow to finish what his grandfather started. So uh, couldn't help but make that Star Wars joke. But the trailer closes out with that pillar of Scott's, for lack of a better term, crumbling. Looks like Scott is failing. And the last shot, which is arguably the coolest shot of the entire trailer, is Kang stepping forward and giving his dual blasts out of his fists. And it cuts to black with the title. We do hear Cassie saying this is all her fault, probably blaming herself for making that quantum realm communicator in the first place. But that that all seems to match up with it looks like OG Kang has been stuck in the quantum realm probably longer than Janet has. And he is trying to use Scott and the Van Dyne family to escape the quantum realm, get back to the real world where he can become Kang the Conqueror once again. And this does pose the biggest question, and it's one we will not know the answer to until we see the movie in approximately a month, which is how is it going to end? Because we already know there's going to be a movie in a couple of years called The Kang Dynasty. So it's pretty clear that Kang is going to make it into the real world. So how do you do that and still have a satisfying ending for this movie? There's a couple of ideas that I've had. One is that it only delays his escape. The heroes are able to escape, but maybe Kang finds some other way, and that sets up something, maybe something in a post credit scene, something like that, where the heroes win, but Kang has found another way. You could also do it where maybe this Kang that has been up front isn't the OG Kang, and there's another Kang who would be, I guess, the real OG Kang in the background, and maybe posing as a sympathizer to the heroes. So maybe you have two Kangs present in the quantum realm. One is apparently the villain, and the other who is the actual villain who is pretending to be against this variant of himself. I think it's one of those two things. Either Kang slips out another way, or there's more than one Kang in the quantum realm, and they're collaborating on a way out of the quantum realms. That's all I got about this trailer, and I'm definitely looking forward to this. Ant-Man is one of those characters, whether it's the Scott Lang one or even the Hank Pym version. Obviously, I grew up with Hank Pym being Giant Man and Ant-Man. He's one of those characters that never really had much of his own series. He was always just kind of one of the Avengers. And I've read enough in Avengers comic that I'm familiar with Hank Pym Scott came along at a time when I really wasn't reading comics, so I can't say that much about any sort of comic accuracy. But I do know he's looked at more as the modern Ant-Man than, than Hank Pym is, so it's, I'm perfectly fine with how they've depicted him in the movie. So I, I'm probably most excited about this than any of the other Ant-Man movies, because, again, this is looking like this is really where Marvel's going to shift it into the next gear and get their major story going. 
So remember, the, the, the past phases have had other Avengers films as major bookmarks. The original Avengers film was the end of Phase 1 and the start of Phase 2. Age of Ultron was kind of the end of Phase 2 and the start of Phase 3. And then Avengers Infinity War and Endgame were the ending of Phase 3. Phase 4 had no Avengers film. It was all some of the theatrical films and the Disney Plus series. Most of which have been good. Some have been less. I mean, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of the Miss Marvel series, wasn't the biggest fan of She-Hulk, although I did enjoy She-Hulk. Let me make, let me make that clear. I still enjoyed She-Hulk, and I, I didn't feel like it was wasted time watching that. I keep meaning to do a, an episode covering that. And with this new format that Geekville is going to have in the year 2023, it should allow me to be able to do that. And I'll go back and cover these shows and these movies that Train and I didn't have time to collaborate on together to give a dual perspective on. So you can look for that stuff coming soon. And we're also going to be doing other episodes of Nostalgia Trip as well as Lesser Known Geek Hall of Fame. And Train will always be around for Examining the Dead. So if this is your first time listening to us, this is Geekville Radio. My name is Seth, a.k.a. Xandrax. You can find us at geekvilleradio.com. Thank you for listening. You can find us on the social media, Geekville Radio, on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram, although the Instagram is still a work in progress. There's not nearly as much stuff there as there is on the Facebook and the Twitter. And uh, you can find us on any podcatcher you're choosing, wherever you find your podcast, just do a search for Geekville Radio. You can find it us and then all of the other shows in our family. We have Examine the Doctor, where we look at Doctor Who, Examine the Dead, where we look at, look at horror. We have the Lesser Known Geek Hall of Fame, where we look at some of the, well, lesser known heroes that may have set the stage for the world famous and iconic characters of the past. And we have Nostalgia Trip, where we talk about pop culture of the past. So all those shows can be found at geekvilleradio.com. That's also where you can subscribe to them as well. If you want a one-stop shop where you can subscribe, you can just go to geekvilleradio.com. I'm also going to have another show this week talking news outside of this trailer. So I hope you folks will stick around for that. You can like us on social media or at the podcast you're choosing, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Apple Music. Give us a review. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. I always say I value feedback, especially when it's genuine. So if you have something genuinely negative to say, let me hear it. If you have something genuinely positive to say, let me hear it. I welcome all feedback. So with that, I'm going to shut down the power here in the Geekville Radio studios. We'll talk to you folks soon with Geekville Radio number 319. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the host and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of GeekvilleRadio.com, A1-Wrestling.com, or any affiliates. Some media used on Geekville Radio is the respective copyright of its publishers, all rights reserved. I don't have to win.